For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Today's episode of the Believe in Steelers podcast is brought to you by betonline.ag. Week six of the NFL is here. If you want to place a bet on the action, Ike, betonline is the place to do it. Yeah, we've been betting all year, so we might as well just continue. And the only place we're going to go to is betonline. Ike, you've had a little bit better success picking games this year than I have, but that's okay. You can fade me. Head to the website, betonline.ag, or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Don't forget to use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your bonus. They've got football, basketball, baseball, boxing, a lot of casino games. You want to take advantage of all the great offers throughout the duration of the 2021 season. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, cue the music. It's time to start the show. Welcome to another edition of the Believe in Steelers podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. I'm your host, Mark Burke, and joined, as always, by my guy, two-time Super Bowl champion and 12-year veteran of the Pittsburgh Steelers, Ike Taylor. How are you doing this morning, my man? Man, it's crazy, Mark. This is week six. Time flies. Like Coach T always say, don't blink. Don't blink. And we've got a Sunday night football matchup this weekend, Ike. Seahawks at Steelers at Heinz Field. And Seahawks going to be without Russell Wilson. Bullet dodged for the Steelers. Ike, I think this is a loser-leaves-town matchup. you got two teams with a 2-3 and three record entering this game and considering how tough the divisions that each team plays in. I am of the belief that this is just absolutely critical for both teams to win. You've got a really tough NFC West for the Seahawks standpoint. The AFC North had three playoff teams a year ago. If you're the Steelers, I'm of that belief. Loser leaves town on Sunday night. What say you? Yeah, the Pittsburgh Steelers, man, they didn't start off too good, but it's looking like it's about to be up and up for them. You got Cleveland. They losing in the shootout. You got the Baltimore Ravens. They did come back from 19. You got the Cincinnati Bengals. They lost to Green Bay over a field goal kick. So it looks like if the Pittsburgh Steelers can go on and sneak this win out and and, uh, the Seattle Seahawks don't have Russell Wilson, (laughs) it's about to be a good day in that division. So quiet kept the Pittsburgh Steelers. They flying under the radar exactly how they want to do right now. And before you know it, we'll be talking about the Pittsburgh Steelers at the top of the AFC North. I love that prediction, Ike. If you would have told me a few weeks ago, hey, Pittsburgh could get back to 500 after week six. I would have been like, how is that possible? Show me your way. But like you said on our last show, Ike, they've been listening to our podcast. They put Big Ben under center. They're handing the ball off to Najee Harris. I hope that's a trend we see continue on Sunday night. Hey, the stars are aligning if you're a Pittsburgh still. You know, it didn't start off too good for you. You did win the first game against Buffalo, but after that, it was kind of a landslide. But I will continue to say, and I will continue to say on our Believe in Steelers podcast, if the Pittsburgh Steelers go 30 for 30, and what I mean 30 for 30, they run the ball more than 30 times, 
they've been past under 30 times, they will have a great chance to put themselves in playoff contention and to win the division in the AFC North, but only if they go 30 for 30. I much prefer that 30 for 30 than Jameis Winston's 30 for 30 with 30 <laughs> touchdowns and 30 picks, Ike. So I'm glad you specified and clarified that for our listeners and viewers. I tell you what, though, you've got to take advantage of Russell Wilson being out, considering that if he were playing, Ike, I know this game's going to be at Heinz Field. He's like the difference between a touchdown. If you look at the spread of this game, Steelers opened as a four-point favorite. They're now a five-point favorite. If Russell were playing, I would probably swing that a touchdown difference and favor the Seahawks by, say, maybe two or three points. But he's out. And I tell you what, too, mentioning the Steelers' offense and the balance that we seek to run the offense effectively and not putting all the onus on Big Ben in year 18 at the age of 39 this Seahawks defense is a problem. They are last worst in the NFL in average yards allowed 450 yards a game. So I can know this is a young offense. I'd like to see the Steelers offense build on what they did a week ago against Denver. And they have a great opportunity to do that on Sunday night. No, you 100% right. So it's just going to be consistent in going 30 for 30, running the football and passing the football, but just keeping that balance. That's the only thing that we're going to ask the Pittsburgh Steelers to do throughout the course of the year. Like, just stay balanced. You, you, you do have a young offensive line. It looks like, you know, they're maturing as that offensive line mature with that running game. We're going to see what happens with Najee. And I think Snell's, if he continues to get the ball too, he'll get in some kind of rhythm. And we're just waiting on McFarlane, that one-two punch, that lightning in the bottle kind of guy. But at the same time, man, I, I think Pittsburgh, in order for them to win this game, they have to control – the clock, but not only the clock, on the defensive side, I think that secondary has to lock down the receiver sitting over there, regardless on who had the him, whether it's Geno Smith, and we both know that Russell is the plan. I just think because of the caliber of receivers they got, but I'm sure the Pittsburgh receivers are feeling the same way. I'm, I'm sure they feel like they got some good caliber receivers. So for me, if I'm looking at it, man, this is going to be which secondary plays the best, whether they coming in and they fit in the run game or whether they're making passes on passing plays. Whoever wins that battle is going to win the football game. But for the Pittsburgh Steelers, they got to just stay balanced. They can't, they can't think of, they can't think what I'm saying right now. Meaning, okay, our wide receivers versus their wide receivers. No, we just trying to go in the highest field, get the 500, get back in this divisional race, and win this ball game. And the only way they're going to do that if they stay 30 for 30, and that's a balanced offense. <laughs> DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, two-star receivers for the Seahawks, make whoever's at quarterback, it's likely going to be Geno Smith on Sunday night, make the quarterback's job a heck of a lot easier among the best tandems in the league. But from an injury standpoint on the injury front for the Steelers, there is some good news. And we'll get to the bad news about Juju in here in just a second. But Devin Bush expected to practice. Cam Sutton expected to practice back from that groin injury. And then James Washington as well. James Washington is going to become even more important on the Steelers offense now, now that we know that Juju Smith-Schuster is going to undergo shoulder surgery this week to repair that shoulder, and it looks like he's going to miss the vast majority of the season. I said on Monday show, Ike, I didn't want to eulogize him because we didn't know the severity and the extent of the injury quite yet, but knowing what we know now, if it's Juju's last run in Pittsburgh, you know, he, he's had a nice run. But this creates a great opportunity for James Washington and company, you know, Ray Ray McLeod to make some plays, uh, uh, the backup to get in there. And then I know they just signed Anthony Miller to the practice squad. So I know next man, next man up mentality is a cliche in the NFL, 
But James Washington, like Juju Smith-Schuster, in a contract season right now, he's going to have the opportunity to showcase his abilities for the Steelers' offense. I don't think nothing wrong with James Washington. Sometimes I think just coaches get caught up in names and, and, and players and just letting them ride out. Damn, they hurt your team. I thought James Washington is an excellent third third receiver. Um, I just look at games that Big Ben always come down to the cluster and you're looking for somebody to be open to make a play, and it's always James Washington. You can go back to the Dallas game and, and beyond. That's just what James do. The young man got strong hands. He's a heck of a route runner. He's just a strong kid individual. He just don't get the opportunities that Deontay or Juju might get. So if I was looking at the Pittsburgh Steelers, or if I'm James, I'm auditioning not only for the Pittsburgh Steelers, but I'm auditioning for the other 31 teams because Pittsburgh know what I can do. They just ain't want to let me do what I can do. So I'm just going to go out here. I'm going to shine. I'm going to handle my business and audition again for these 31 other teams. So when the offseason come, I'm telling Pittsburgh deuces. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like, look, like, showcase your ability to get paid off that rookie contract once you're done with that. And I'm just excited because it's like there's only so much the ball can go around in distributing the offense because we, we've said, look, like, the struggles of the offense, Steelers have some pretty good position players. And like you say, you tell me this all the time, the two position groups where they draft well, outside linebacker on the defensive side of the ball and wide receivers. So it's like, here we go. Here's your opportunity. And if Pittsburgh doesn't value him, given their depth at the receiver position, likely another team will in the offseason. I do hope Cam Sutton's able to make his way back. I liked how James Pierre played against the Broncos. But, you know, Cortland Sutton, seven catches, 120 yards. I know Pierre gets the key interception at the end of the game. Had a key tackle of Javante Williams to prevent a touchdown as well. Getting Sutton back is going to be very, very important, in my opinion, to stop that duo of DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett as well. So hopefully they can get back the defensive injuries. I know Devin Bush left Sunday's game against Denver as well. Get everyone back on defense, get healthy, just because that tandem over in Seattle, again, like I said, I don't care who's playing quarterback, is as good as any receiver tandem in the NFL. I mean, you already know, if, if Seattle was looking at any take, they're going to try JP regardless on Sutton is back or not. Yep. You know, Sutton just going to help back in the inside when it comes down to that nickel or dime situation. But for the most part, you know, if I'm JP, I'm already I'm already thinking a week ahead, like, okay, I had a game like this against, you know, Sutton against the Broncos. I'm sure they're going to try the next week and try to hush him up. But what I will say about JP is he lost a few battles, but he won the war. When he clinched, when he clinched that interception in the end zone, that kind of sealed the deal for everything in the Pittsburgh Steelers to come out with a W. So, But if I'm JP and I had a game like that, and I used to go back and I used to look at it like, they're going to try me until I shut him up. So – I'm sure JP throughout this week, I'm sure the coaching staff on defense is having the scout team throw a lot of balls at him so he can get ready and go into this game. Because if I'm game planning, I'm game planning for JP. So I'm looking for 42. Well, 42 at, that's exactly where I'm going. So I'm going to go it on as a coaching staff and prepare him throughout the weeks. Because once Sunday come, he's going to already be mentally prepared and ready to go because this coaching staff have told and showed him, like, this is what they're going to do to you. You're already ready. You had enough reps. Go ahead and close this game out. You're going to win. You're going to lose a few battles, but let's win more and let's win the war instead of winning the battles like you did last week. So I think JP is going to be fine. You know, that's 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 a huge confidence builder when you can seal the yeah. deal off of the game you had throughout the first four quarters. And then I hopefully he can take advantage if he is targeted because Joe Hayden on that left side, 
another guy in a contract year. I planned for that, planned for that dollar in the offseason and get that one last contract. You know how instinctive he is on the left side playing at a Pro Bowl level for many years in his career. So again, it's like, let's target the young guy because he's unproven in what he can do. So Ike, you, you just said it best. You know that, that, that Pierce is going to be who the Seahawks target in this one. So I'd, we, we saw it against Denver, and I'd certainly expect that to be the case as well. Uh, Ike, I want to move to John Gruden resigning as head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders. And I, I want to start here with this report uh, in the New York Times report. And I think about this in terms of my media career because Gruden for many years was the lead announcer for Monday Night Football on ESPN. I just want to start here, even if he felt the way that he did about things, and we've all done things we regret in life. But I was always taught as a media member, if there is a hot mic, if there is a camera, if you want to put something in writing, be cognizant of what you say and what you put in writing. And it's like, I'm going to be very cognizant of what I put in my emails because I'm going to write an email as if it could get published in the New York Times. That's kind of my background of everything that what happened. But what were your thoughts about John Gruden resigning as head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders? Um, I thought it was necessary. I thought it was the right thing to do. Now, to get to your point, what I was taught when it came down to the media, whether it's Instagram, Twitter, anything on social media, a hot mic or, or, or saying whatever, if you got to think twice, you shouldn't say it. If you got to think yeah. twice about what you if what you're about to write or what you're about to say, that's probably something you shouldn't say it out. So that's what I was taught on that. But far as like Coach Gruden resigning, um, it's just sad to see because I actually know Coach Gruden, but uh, that's who you are. You know, that's 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 what you that's what you've been doing for a long time. You know, that's and you you are <laughs> what you are at home usually comes out in public. That's that's what usually happens. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And and I think I've learned this through coaching kids and how they act because I always say everything starts at home. So, you know, kids come in and they got a potty mouth and they're very disrespectful and it's it's high. It's not yes. It's, it's shut up. It's not be quiet. All that start at the house. That start at the house because if you was taught right at the house, you'll act the same way in public. But the fact that you're not doing that is an issue. So um, for Coach Gruden, it's just sad, you know, especially being around all those kind of people. You know what I'm saying? You've been around, you know, different ethnics throughout your whole career down there. You know, and, and the sad thing about it is Coach Gruden was damn good as a color <laughs> a color, a color analyst and a commentator. Yeah. You know, for, for me, it was John Madden, then it was Coach Gruden when it came down to, to, to doing his TV. And when he get into the coaching, you know, he he, he won him a Super Bowl in town, but they took him down from the ring of honor to all these uh, allegations and, and what's going on. But at the same time, man, for me, that's just how I look at it. That's just who you are. That's just who you always been. You just thought you would never get caught. That's and, and that's and that's just that's just what it is. So it's just sad. It's just sad to see this happen like that, especially you know in the middle in the middle of the season. But honestly, I think the Raiders are honestly actually better now since he's gone. You know, I felt like there was a dark cloud. Um, I felt like the organization knew way, way beforehand. You know, it just finally came out. 
I didn't think it was going to be this big, but you know, once you get 650,000 emails, that's a lot of emails that they're looking over, you know, and they say, and they say they're not going to release it. So it's going to, it's going to be, it's going to be a whole lot. <laughs> it's going to be a whole lot of stuff coming, you know, uh, towards the future. But um, with Coach Gruden, man, it's just it's just sad to see. He's been in the game for a long time as a coach and an analyst. But um, when I look at it, Mark, man, I just look at it like that's just that's just who you are. You know, it, it just it just came out in the public. But it's just so sad because you've been around, you know, different kind of people throughout your whole life. But if you stuck in your ways, you stuck in your ways, and that's just you. Now we always want to give everybody the benefit of the doubt, but. You know, that's that's just what it is. So it's on Coach Gruden. I think everybody, you know, who Coach Gruden probably hurt just want a sincere apology. Sincere apology. You know what I'm saying? Ain't no ain't no handwritten. I'm sure they won't hear it coming from his mouth. You know, so it's just sad to see. Um for me, who am I to judge? I'm not him, but it's just it's just a bad situation, you know, and, and that's it sucks not only for Coach Gruden. Because it only take you can build up you can build up things for throughout your whole life, and it just take one moment, and everything get torn down, you know. And and, and that's how I look at it. So hopefully, you know, you, you got to go through this dark hole, and I've been through the dark hole plenty of times. You know what I'm saying? But you always got to fight your way out. So I only I only look at it like God give you things for a reason. It's on you to change. So if you don't want to change, you know, He gonna close that window, close that door. That's just what it is. Now, if you're willing to change, you know, it's going to be some light at the end of the tunnel. But if you if you ain't willing to change for the good, then it's not going to work out. So, Coach Gruden, hopefully he can just change some of his ways. Even though you're old on me and you can't change, you know, we all we all here to learn. So, it just sucks, bro. It just sucks because I actually knew Coach Gruden. He actually had me in training camp. You know, had me in training camp a couple of years ago when Martavis Bryant was there. Uh, took care of me well, too. Took care of it well. Let me come with his team. Let me work out. Uh, sat down with him. Um, watched some tape with him. Talked about some guys on his team with him. But uh, for, for this to happen, it's kind of uh, – it sucks. I'm upset. You know, I'm upset that he did it and he said it. But I'm upset that it happened to him as well because I knew Coach Gruden. And for me, he wasn't – he never showed that side of me. But it's a lot of things people ain't going to show, you know, in public that they are at home. Yeah, Ike, you mentioned the 650,000 emails. I'm curious to see what other fallout there is with this because there's a lot of people involved in those emails. So if there are any further repercussions, and I'm talking about people other than just John Gruden, because I know this was part of the investigation into the Washington football team. So, you know, I want to provide, you know, it was great reporting by the New York Times. And I know the Washington Post was the, the initial report uh, about the co- commentary that he about uh, D. Marie Smith, but when when he first resigned, I had friends text me and be like, "Wait, that was like there's just that." And then I had another buddy who was like, "No, like check out the New York Times report. They've got a follow up report of, you know, more evidence of commentary that's just you know it's just not appropriate." So, um, I I, I do want to go to there are odds out for who could be the next full-time head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders. It's still weird for me to say Las Vegas Raiders. I want to say Oakland Raiders, but is there any coach in the NFL where you think would be a good fit there in Las Vegas? I've got the odds up now. 
He right down the street, Eric Benemy, the OC for the Kansas City Chiefs. He's the favorite. He's the okay. favorite. Okay. Yeah. He, I mean, he, he he right down the street. You know, he's a he's a quarterback whisperer as well. I know Coach Eric Benemy for a long time. You know, um, him playing at UCLA, him running the ball, him being the OC. I just be, I just been knowing him, man, for him recruiting. You know, he like recruiting out of New Orleans. So I just been knowing Coach Eric Bennett for a while. So he right up. You know, he got the players. They got Wilder. Um, they, they got Zay Jones. They got uh, Henry Ruggs the third. They, they got guys over there, you know. They got some Jacobs, weapons over yeah. there. Jacobs, you yeah. got a running back. You, you got a franchise quarterback. So And now you finally get the defense where they don't have to rush five. That defense line for, for the Las Vegas Raiders, they, they up there. They top tier. They're not premium. Crosby's legit off the edge, too. Right? Crosby, yeah, but, it's like, let's go hunt quarterback. Yeah. So they, they they got a nice little overall team, offense and defense. So go get Eric Bieniemy. He right there. He right there. He going to have the offense. Uh, he going to have the offense being very exciting to watch, I think. Um, the defense on the defensive side, you know, them, ball, them boys balling on the defensive side. So when they lose, they've been losing some close games. But by the end of the day, I do know Coach Eric Bieniemy. He is one of the quarterback whispers, and all his players love him. Whatever position mm-hmm. you play, whether you're a safety, whether you're a linebacker, everybody loves Coach Eric Bieniemy on the football team. He's just one of those guys. He's one of the guys he played the game for, so he understands, you know, what a player is thinking, how a player feel on and off the field. So for me, my first one, I guess you say he is the favorite. I'm going to get Eric Bieniemy. Okay, yeah, he's the favorite. I a few other names that are out there at top of the favorites. Bills offensive coordinator Brian Dable, Joe Brady, the Carolina Panthers offensive coordinator, and then Kellen Moore, the offensive coordinator for the Dallas Cowboys. So those are some of the top ones. You've got Byron Leftwich, the OC over in Tampa. Matt Campbell comes from yeah. yeah, so it's like whoever it is, I, I actually think that they'll be in decent shape. Oh, yeah. uh, you know, I they're probably going to have to wait till the off season to be able to actually bring in one of those guys. If they bring in the enemy, uh, Ike, he's coached in the division before. So to me, it's like you've been in the AFC West. You're familiar with all the teams that familiarity, I think could help a lot. And I think you bring up a great point where Raiders have some offense on both sides of the football. Uh, one name I wanted to mention too, before we get to the other week, six matchups, how about Sebastian Janikowski at 500 to one odds? Ike. <laughs> The fact that he was listed on this list. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. We call him C-Bass. You know, ever since my nephew uh, committed to Florida State, Mm -hmm. um, Bishop Thomas, I just just retracted back in my career. So either I played with at least 10 guys from Florida State, I've played against at least 20-something guys from Florida State. And one of the most interesting guys is Seabass, we call him, you know, and that's Janikowski. You know, first of all, uh, Mark, if he was with us, uh, when you came down at a cigar bar, mm-hmm. uh, it would be an all-day tailgating event, if you get what I'm saying. We would probably not walk out <laughs> that cigar bar messing with Seabass. He's just, he just a ball of fun. So I can see why as a 500, <laughs> I messing around with him. He's right now not what you want to be as a head coach because he's going to act just like a player off the field. I wasn't sure where you were going with that. I, this is not to take away from Janikowski, who had 
an excellent leg and a great career. Oh, 100%. But if you place a bet on him becoming the next Raiders head coach, you're better off lighting your money on fire. And I'm just going to leave it at that. Okay. Yeah, let's leave it at that. Seabass, no, no knock on Seabass at all. He had a good time. Yeah. He had a good time. Oh, yeah. right, right now, right now as a coach, <laughs> now, I need I need dad in the building. You look as coaches as dads. You don't look as coaches as uncles. Um, they'll look at they'll look at they'll look at Seabass as, as an uncle, and that's too much fun when you're the uncle. I just love that he was even listed uh, among the odds. I, I saw him at the very bottom. I'm like, wait a second, because. One of the Twitter accounts I follow, I post the clip every year where when Lane Kiffin was the Raiders head coach, he put him out there for a 76-yard field goal attempt. <laughs> hey. like, oh, man. Sorry, hey, I, I, I can't help had, myself. Had a leg. He, he had a leg on him. No doubt. No doubt. Yeah, that, left, that, that, left foot, that left foot king had a leg on him. He had a leg on him. All right, Ike, we're going to get to the other week six matchups. We've got Chargers and Ravens. I think this could be a battle of an MVP race. We know what Justin Herbert's done. One of the best young stud rookie, uh, not rookie, second-year quarterbacks. But then Lamar Jackson as well, who has more teams, uh, more yardage than many teams in the NFL as well. Quarterback matchup, potential MVP race matchup. It's going to be in Baltimore as well. I I cannot wait to watch this one on Sunday. And I tell you what, too. The Ravens are able to move the football. The, the Browns put up a ton of points against the Chargers in week five. So I, I want to see this Chargers defense shore up a little bit in this one. Uh, who you got in this one? What stands out in this matchup, though? I got the two quarterbacks, but what do you think, Ike? I think you hit it on the head when you want to talk about uh, two guys who could possibly be, possibly be leagues MVP between Lamar Jackson and Justin Herbert. But the reason why I'm going to go with Justin Herbert is he's a closer. And what, what I mean by closers is he's been playing at a whole nother level. He's how we looking at Trayvon Diggs and we saying on the defensive side, he's in the matrix. I'm looking at Justin Herbert saying the same thing on the offensive side, that he's in the matrix. And you can just see um, he's beyond his years right now. He's light years ahead of whatever year he's in. What is year? Year three? So – how he's moving, how he's acting. Two. Um, two, I'm sorry, two, year two. What he's doing right now, man, he's acting like a 12-year veteran quarterback. He just so happened to be, you know, 15 years younger in age, you know. So so mentally, man, he checked every box. And we ain't even going to talk about his physicality and his height, size, and speed. And, and he knows when it's time to get down and, and go for them third downs and, and get an extra yard or win the slide. Man, I'm just looking at how he just manipulates the defenders when it comes down to the pass. So when you're able to do that, when when you have to win and shoot out because the last couple of games, the defense, as you said, have been playing too good. So, yeah, he's been winning the shootout games. and You don't want him with the ball last because, you know, he's going to put the team in situation. And I look at all these four-down situations, especially when you're going against the Kansas City Chiefs. All they're saying is, man, my, my – my head coach has nothing but confidence in me. You know, don't even put the punt team in there. We got four downs to get 10 yards. That's saying a lot. That's giving your quarterback in the offense a lot of confidence as well. Now, on the flip side, you know, the Baltimore Ravens is the Baltimore Ravens. Um, but I just think defensively for the Baltimore Ravens, they just got to get out a lot of man coverage. You know, it's easy when you got some secondary guys who are pretty good. All I'm going to dial up is man, 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 man. And when you do that, and if you plan to match up against 
Justin Herbert does it's it's not gonna work well with this man coverage the Baltimore Ravens is doing. The Baltimore Ravens ain't used to playing zone. So if if I'm the if I'm the LA Chargers, what I'm doing now is I'm stacking Keenan and and and, and Mike Williams. Um, I'm doing a bunch formation, and since the Baltimore Ravens like to run all of this man, we just gonna do a lot of pick routes, a lot of crossing routes, and whenever we need to run, we just gonna run. We gonna throw a lot of screens to the running back because we know they like to the blitz, and the linebackers like to get out of position. So for me, I always look at matchups, even though it's been a shootout on both sides. I think the matchup favors the the Chargers' offense against. The, uh, the Baltimore Ravens defense. That's why, and you put and you put Justin Herbert into place. That's why I like the LA Chargers over the Baltimore Ravens in this one, Mark. I'm going to play contrarian. I'm going to take the Ravens at home. They are three point favorites, and I think that home field advantage takes the Ravens over the top. Let's go to the next matchup, Ike. Packers at Bears. The first taste Justin Fields will get of the NFL's oldest rivalry, and I'm just hoping with Fields that maybe he could be the Bears quarterback for the next decade plus, a lot like we've seen Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre absolutely own the NFC North during their playing careers. But first taste for the rookie QB in the Windy City. It's going to be played at Soldier Field. I'm excited to see this one. Bears have won two straight as well. And I know the Packers look a lot better after losing in week one to the Saints. I think that's because it's going to kind of be a fluke game. But I'm excited to see this one. If I have to make a pick, though, I'm going Green Bay. I'm never going to – as long as Aaron Rodgers is in a Packers uniform, like, I, I've seen it too many times, Ike. So this is my upset game. So I'm going with Justin Fields and the Bears. And the reason why I'm going with Justin Fields and the Bears, because of what they like to run, they like to run the cover, too. Um, what is Aaron Rodgers? Is he patient enough to, to, to not throw it deep to a Devontae? Is he patient enough to not have a splash play? It just depends on how Aaron Rodgers feel that day. So what I like about the Bears, I like this matchup. So I like the Bears' defense versus the, the, the Packers' offense. So I'm taking Khalil Mack and company when it comes down to this. And I'm taking the young legs over Justin Field, the enthusiasm he brings to the offense. And don't forget, man, they got a nice little running game. Please, let's not forget the Bears have a nice little running game going on. So now you add, you know, uh, Justin Fields into a factor in his legs and how he can move. And from week to week, how he's progressing as a quarterback, I'm taking the Bears at home against the Packers. That's my upset game. Let's go Justin Fields and the Bears. I'm sorry, Mark. I'm so no, sad. No, all, all, all of my Chicago people are going to be psyched, Ike, which, like, I'm, I'm excited to hear that. But I'm going to go Lee Corso on you here. Not so fast because David Montgomery is still going to be out with an injury. And Akeem Hicks did not play in week five in the Bears win against the Raiders. So you always tell me like the the defense is built from the ground up. I think he's just important uh, is important to that Bears defensive line is Khalil Mack is. So if Hicks plays, I- I'm with you. I'm drinking the Kool-Aid for Bears upset. But without Montgomery, who's still working his way back from an injury, like I I, I love to hear it. I love to hear it because Green Bay has broken my heart so many times. But I, I just I've seen this who's this- who's, who's the backup running back? Who's the backup? Oh, I know where you're going with this. Yeah, he just balled out. He just let me ask Siri. Hey Siri, who's the backup running back for the Chicago Bears? There are five running backs on Damian the Damian Williams. Damian Williams. Yeah. David Montgomery. Yeah. Your Siri is so much more pleasant than my Siri, Ike. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, Damian, I'm de- I'm Damian detracting nice your 
Yeah, he had a nice little game last week. Mm-hmm. He had a nice little game last week. So right now, you really don't need Ty. You can tell Ty, take your time. We don't need to rush anything because we're going to need you down the line. So, yeah, don't, let's not forget, Damian went crazy. I thought Damian should have been the MVP at KC for that Super Bowl game. <laughs> to keep it one. I remember when so, we talked about that, Ike, you told me, said, if we're even asking the question, we already know the answer. Correct. So, so there you go on that one. So, hey, I'm, I'm just letting you know, man, all my people in Chicago, I got the Bears over the Packers. And I sorry to say that, Mark have the Packers over the Bears and he's a Chicago head. <laughs> all right, Cardinals at Browns, Ike. The Cardinals, the NFL's last undefeated team, like we all thought going into the season. I'm just kidding. But Kyler Murray, 5-0. This this Cardinals offense looks good. Now, they'll probably be without Chandler Jones on that defensive line, positive COVID test. He might be able to work his way back if he has negative tests between now and game time. It looks unlikely. So they're going to be without their star edge pass rusher. And we know what the Browns can do running the football with that two-headed monster and Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt in the backfield. I think the Browns regroup here in week six, coming right. off a week five loss against the Chargers. I like the Browns at home in Cleveland. Oh, man, so I guess we're on the same page because we got Rhino in the backfield and we got Clydesdale, the Budweiser horse, in the backfield. So you got two you got two running backs who's built just like what I, my two adjectives I described, Rhino and Clydesdale between Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb, so that's all they're gonna do. Is the, the the name of the game for this right? This game right here against the Cardinals is Nick Chubb's Kareem Hunt. Nick Chubb's Kareem Hunt. Nick Chubb's Kareem Hunt. And that's what the Cardinals haven't faced. I don't think they ever faced a duo or some talent like this in that backfield. So if if they want to pass the ball, and I'm talking about the Browns, if, if Coach feels like you know Baker's feeling high and he feeling himself, this might be the game where OBJ just might turn off and take the leash off him and he get loose. But for the most part, it's gonna start like it always does with Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb sitting in that backfield. So they're going to get a heavy dose. The Cardinals on the defense side will get a heavy dose of at least 500 pounds between Nick Chubb's and Kareem Hunt. I love that analogy you make. I can Chandler Jones, if he doesn't play for the Cardinals, that's a huge relief for the Browns, considering left tackle Jadrick Wills did not play in the Week 5 game for the Browns against the Chargers. He was the team's first-round pick a year ago out of Alabama. So he's working his way back from an ankle injury. Probably won't have to play Chandler Jones again. It sounds like we both like Cleveland at home. We'll move on to our final matchup before we get to our Seahawks and Steelers score prediction. Bills at Titans. Bills coming off a big win against the Kansas City Chiefs for that like supremacy in the AFC Ike. And I know the Chiefs have a sub 500 record now, but going into week five, the Chiefs were still the favorites in Vegas to win the AFC division. That is not the case anymore after the Bills victory, but Bills going on the road into Tennessee. Who do you like in this matchup between the Bills and the Titans? I'm taking the Bills. And the reason why I'm taking the Bills is because I don't like the Tennessee Titans defense. So I'm going to take the Bills. And you can only run. You can run King uh, King Henry. You can only run King Henry so many times, especially when you're up. I think they're going to be down too much to run King Henry. And it's going to be an issue. I don't know if Julio Jones is back, but time will tell. But King Henry is only effective when y'all up in the ball game. You know what I'm saying? So I think they're going to be down more than up, especially going against this Buffalo Bills um, firefighter. Josh Allen is another young kid who's playing out of his mind. You know, he's playing top five quarterback. This year, you know, so I'm going to go with the Bills. Not only he's not looking for, 
you know, uh, Diggs, he also had Emmanuel Sanders, Gabriel Davis, um, Cole Beasley. He got he got a lot of young weapons sitting over there. So he's scanning the field himself. He's seeing what Justin Herbert is doing over there for the L.A. Chargers. He was like, man, if Justin can do it, y'all might as well mention my name because y'all not see me last year. So that's exactly how you're looking at it. I just think it's too much firepower offense for this Titans defense. And just and we all know the Titans, what they like to do is King Henry, me, please. But I think you can only King Henry me when you're up, and I think they'll be down. So now you got to get Ryan Tannehill slinging the ball, and that's just something you really don't do consistently. The AFC South, I, I think, is this year's NFC East. I think it's the worst division in football. I think the Titans, it's the Titans division to lose because Texans and Colts at one and four, the Jags 0 and five. So it's like, could we see, you know, we're not going to see a 500 team because there's a 17 game regular season, but could we see a nine and eight team sneak into the playoffs and win this division just because the the Titans, I don't know how good they are because there are two matchups against the other three teams in the division. In my opinion, that should be, Okay, maybe not six victories, but you should win five of the six in the division, just considering your other opponents in the division aren't very good this season. Titans will be at home, but I like the way that the Bills are playing. Josh Allen, another candidate in the mix for the MVP race right now, too, the way he's playing football. And uh, the way he's hurtling over defenders, too. Uh, I don't want to see my quarterback exposed quite like that, but the fact that he has the, the athletic ability to do it and the build to do it, too, he can take a hit. Uh, I, I just think he's playing tremendous football for Buffalo right now. So I'll take the Bills on the road as well. No, nah, I mean, that's that's why I got. I got the Bills versus Titans. I think too much fireball on the offensive side. Okay, let's go to Sunday Night Football. Seahawks at Steelers. Ike, the over-under in this game, while my computer loads, stay with me here. Over-under in this game is 42 and a half. So again, points going to be a premium. I've got the Steelers taking care of business at home, 27, Seahawks, 23. Ike Taylor, what say you? What happens on Sunday night between the Seahawks and the Steelers? 27, 28, 28, 21. 28, 21. I got 28, 21 Pittsburgh Steelers. So that's 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 what I'm going with, 28, 21, yeah. I think the defense is going to score. Um, I think the defense is going to score one. I think the defense is going to score off an of interception. I think Minka finally gonna come alive. Minka, Minka has been quiet. The reason why Minka has been quiet is because teams have, you know, been watching the Minka tape off, off of what he done last year. So they may kind of use that against him. I think Minka finally is getting back to where he need to, and that's playing fundamentally sound football and not guessing, trying to make plays and putting pressure on yourself. So I think Pittsburgh gonna score on defense on this one. I got 28 Pittsburgh, Seattle Seahawks 21. Uh, come on, Ike. Let's be insers and say the reason why Minka hasn't scored is because Joe Hayden was on sides. What, what are we doing here against Green Bay? No, nah, no, nah, that, 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 that's all I'm talking about. No, I, I was looking in the future and I already told him. As soon as I saw that against Green Bay, that was like, no, nah, that's a wash. You got something else and that's going to be against the Seattle Seahawks. So that's what my psychic personnel just came up and told me. So that's what I'm sticking with right now. <laughs> You know what? I will say this too. People in our YouTube comments are starting to recognize what I've been saying all along about psychic Ike Taylor. And so you heard it here first. If there's a defensive touchdown, make note of this. And if, if there is a Steelers defensive touchdown on Sunday night, I, you bet you best believe I'm posting this clip. <laughs> I'm tweeting out the clip. For sure. For sure. Ike, this is always the best. You're my guy. 
want to thank the Believe in Steelers podcast held and hosted by the Believe in Podcast, uh, the Believe Podcast Network. Want to thank our producers over at Brinks TV, led by John Brinkus, Courtney Vargas, our guy Herbert behind the scenes. Today's sponsor, Bet Online. And to you, the listeners and viewers of the Believe in Steelers podcast, thank you for listening, tuning in, and watching us. Everything Mark just said. Appreciate y'all. Make sure y'all give us five stars, rate or review us, because y'all know what we do, man. We're being psychics. It's, it's entertainment and it's educational, and we're talking good football. So we, 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 the Believe in Steelers podcast, family, Briggs family, Bet Online family, uh, we just want to thank everybody for tuning in and listening to us week in and week out. Quick scheduling and programming note, Ike. Next week's show is going to be out on Tuesday, and then we'll also be back again on Friday. We've been doing Mondays and Fridays this year, but next week's show will be out on Tuesday. So just stay with us here on the Believe in Steelers podcast. Just wanted to make sure our listeners and viewers knew about that. I'll go ahead and sign off for the both of us here. For Ike Taylor, I'm Mark Bergen. Thank you for listening to the Believe in Steelers podcast. We will see you next week. Take care and so long, everybody. Peace. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.